0: yeah for this one good morning. good morning so glad to see all of y'all the pulpit for right now glad to see y'all this morning um such a wonderful thing to come and, and fellowship with one another um for those who were in sunday school class and, and Fellowship before church, and just join together in worshiping our Lord and Savior. And go through a couple of announcements this morning. Um, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering and week of prayer is March the sixth through the thirteenth. We've already passed that. Um, our uh, the church. Our church goal is six thousand dollars and. Given to date, this says we have given $3,100. So halfway there, which is an awesome thing. Um, If you're visiting with us today, there may be a card in your pew in front of you. You can fill that out just so we can have a record of your visit. But there's also one of these uh, high-tech QR codes. You can take your phone camera, hold it over it, and it will send you to a link where you can fill out a digital visitor's card. Um, wow, well, it's already that time. Vacation Bible School, or VBS, um, will be June 13th through the 17th this year. We'll have a quick headcount of who would like to help after the morning service on April 3rd, so if you want to sign up for that, um, I guess we'll, I'm not sure how that headcount will happen, but it might be just a show of hands, so... We hope to see you there. Actually, it'll, it'll be in the fellowship hall. Um, I think that's it. Uh, Jerry, tell us again when Century Kid is? June 20th through the 24th. June 20th through the 24th. Um, and three days after that is youth camp for 7th through 12th grade. Um, from June the 27th, Brooke, through uh, July, July 1st, July 1st. Um, we're going to Zephyr, Camp Zephyr in uh, Sandia, Texas, which is on Lake Corpus Christi, so youth, they've already been informed when to uh, sign up, when to get their um, uh, deposit to me, but if you know any other youth, let me know that might want to go, We will take all that we can. Any other announcements? Anything I missed? All right, well, our call to worship this morning will be a reading from Psalm 23, a psalm of David. David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we read this Psalm of David, Lord, give us comfort in knowing that you are the shepherd of our souls. Lord, that you do lead us, you do guide us. Lord, you care for us, you love us. Lord, as, as your sheep, we should follow you. Lord, we do praise you for this comfort, for this encouragement that we read in your word. Lord, help us to live by it. Help us to apply it to our lives. Lord, give us the boldness and strength to share this truth with others who may not know you as Shepherd. Where we praise you this morning. We worship you. Lord, we thank you for Christ that in him and through him we may have salvation. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.
1: Stand
2: together.
0: I don't have the. I'll just go up here and do it. As you can see, Brother Shannon's not here, and uh, some things are a little different. But we're going to press on, and we're going to worship um, in song, and prayer, and proclamation. Up next is our mission video for Annie Armstrong, and as I shared with you earlier, our church giving goal six thousand dollars. We're a little over halfway there, and. Um, If you would like to give to that, as many of you know, just designate that on your envelope as you give, um, and we will make sure it goes to where it's supposed to go.
3: I get the question of why move back to Puerto Rico? In the last 10 years, Puerto Rico has experienced financial crisis, political crisis, crises with hurricanes and earthquakes. And on top of all of that, you've got the COVID-19 pandemic. And so they're like, why would you go the opposite way? Everyone's trying to leave. I think there's a lot of opportunity here in Puerto Rico in terms of ministry. A lot of the folks that we minister to just live alone because families have moved onto the mainland and people tend to leave behind some of their most vulnerable family members. It takes their support system away from them. And so one, who I later met as Rosa, sent me a text that said, I live alone, I don't have any food left, please just help me. So I asked, can I call you? and realized that she lived near one of our local pastors and so he and his wife came here and went to see rosa and really ministered to her and invited her to church she agreed and um, and listened intently to the message and and then after the service accepted christ this is something that God is doing and I get to join him in because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And in gratitude, we respond by serving others. And so that's the importance of giving because that enables us to continue to meet these needs and ensure that the gospel is proclaimed and preached and that churches are planted and that missionaries are sent. Puerto Ricans, they've been through a lot and yet we're going to do what we need to do to overcome this and we're going to overcome this together.
2: If you're opening your Bible to Psalm 28 we are going to read that. To you.
4: I pray to you, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear t- to me, for if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. Listen to my prayer for mercy as I cry out to you for help. As I lift my hands toward your holy sanctuary, do not drag the way we with, with the wicked with, with those who do evil, those who speak friendly words to their neighbors while planning evil in their hearts. Give them the punishment they rightly deserve. Measure it out in proportion to their wickedness. Pay them back for all their evil debts. Give them taste of what they have done to others. They are ke- nothing for what the Lord has done or what the hands have made. So he will tear them down, and they will never be rebuilt. Praise the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of the thanksgiving. The Lord giveth people strength. He is safe, fortress for the anointed king. <clears throat> Save your people. Bless Israel, your special possession. Lead them like a shepherd, and carry them to your for, for your arms forever.
2: The psalmist was brutally honest, wasn't he? Going through struggles and pains and at the hands of, of men who don't love God. But he realized that God was bigger than he was. He didn't have to go take care of those people. God was big enough to do it himself all he had to do was rest and go. And this was before Jesus. And here's what I have to think about is that I was one of those people before Jesus. That Jesus had mercy on me.
1: How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me.
2: God, what you did on the cross, that it pleased you to sacrifice your son. We didn't deserve it. You don't owe it. Forgive us for thinking that we can just come, take from the cross and and just live the way we want to live, God. But the power of the cross, the blood of your son, gives us the grace we need to glorify you just like he did on the cross. Search our hearts today, God bring us to repentance in the areas that we think we have stuff figured out in the areas that we just keep feeding pet sins God I pray that this morning that you would overwhelm us with the blood of your cross and that we would put those sins down by the grace of Jesus Christ that it's what you did on the cross that gives us life We want to worship you for that this morning, Father. What a wonderful, wonderful thing you did on that cross for us, God. Be glorified in our words now. Be glorified. this place today in the name of Jesus Christ alone we pray amen
0: amen if you would take your copy of God's word and turn to John chapter 10 Did not bring a copy or do not have a copy of God's word. There is one in the pulpit. I mean, not in the pulpit. There is one up here, too. I hope there's one in the pulpit. I apologize. There is one in your pew. Um, If you would turn to John chapter 10. We will be reading the entire... not read the entire chapter, we will read down through verse, I'm not even in John chapter 10, I'm in Ezekiel here. As we were singing, thought came to mind and I turned to Ezekiel and and. St- stuck a verse in my sermon real quick. John chapter 10, verse 1 through 18. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Jesus speaking says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay my life down that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the Father. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word, Lord, help us to see the Good Shepherd. Lord, help us to follow him. And those who do not know him, Lord, I pray that he calls their name today and they will hear his voice and they will come. Lord, guide me as I speak. For Lord, I am but a man and I have nothing to say up here apart from your word. Open our hearts, open our ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. I pray all this in your name, amen. So as you've just seen, we just read most of John chapter 10. This is a big chunk of scripture, and I was very hesitant to preach on the entire portion of scripture that we just read. So I'm going to do my best. To get it all done in a timely fashion, and uh, I'm going to do my best to speak fast but not too fast. Um, This is a portion of scripture that I've wanted to preach for many years, Um, it's one of my favorite portions of scripture. Funny story, last week, James came to me after the service and said, What are you going to preach? I kind of, if y'all have seen the emoji, because I sent this to Shannon yesterday. Sunday school answer, I said, and he said, Jesus? Can't go wrong there. Um, Unfortunately, there are many times that I don't have a clue what I'm going to preach on until maybe the night before I preach. Shannon texted me yesterday and said, I'm praying for you and, and your sermon, and I know you'll preach Christ. What text are you going to preach on? I didn't want to worry him because he, he has a sermon to preach this morning too. And by the way, be praying for him. So uh, I didn't send anything until this morning, and I said, and I told him I, I didn't send anything because I was a little ashamed to say I had no clue. Um, There's been many times that I thought I had a clue, and Brooke can tell you that uh, about midnight on Saturday night, it changes. Um, I do remember the first time that I was called to preach here. I was living in San Saba, and a man calls me on the phone. It was about 10 o'clock, I think. Um, Roddy calls me and says, our pastor is sick. Um, we've spoken to your pastor and we hear you just carry a sermon in your pocket and you're ready to go. And I thought, okay. Um, so at 10, that night, I started writing a sermon and did my best to poorly exegete and uh, expound that scripture. Um, that was, wow, seven years ago. So here we are today. Um, Just to give a little context to John chapter 10, uh, we got to look at John chapter 9. If y'all were here on the Sunday night where James taught on this passage, you're familiar with it, but this is where Jesus, and I'm going to paraphrase this real quickly, heals a blind man. The religious leaders have an issue with this. He did it on the Sabbath, and that's a problem, and they call in the blind man, and who healed you, and by what authority, and the man kind of I don't know, I was blind, and now I see some man came up and and, uh, healed me, and I don't know who he was, this man really, he didn't know who it was that healed him, and there was this big um, issue, and a lot of drama, and parents were called, and, and who, is this your son, has he always been blind, and they're like, yes, and who healed him, and they're like, I don't know, all I know is he was blind, and now he sees. He's a grown man. Ask him. Don't put us in this. And it, it was this huge thing. And after all of that's over, Jesus goes and he finds this man who used to be blind and is not. And says, do you believe in the son of God? Um, needless to say, as always, Pharisees and scribes and a crowd, they were there. And this man says, who is this son of God? If I could see him, yes. Yes. I would believe, and Jesus says, it is he who is speaking to you now, and the man believes. Chapter 9 rolls right into chapter 10, and Jesus says, and and I, I just want to lay this out there in the beginning, he's calling out the Pharisees once again about their, in a sense, false shepherding in their false righteousness, and in the way that they were supposed to be leading the flock of God, but they were not. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, if you know your Bible, you know that when you see things repeated, they're important. And when Jesus says, truly, truly, some of your Bibles may say, assuredly, this is important, pay attention and he says, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So to understand what Jesus is talking about here um, for us, because his audience, they would have understood what he's talking about. Um, we have to take a look at how shepherding sheep or even goats um How it was done in ancient Israel. It's a little different than how we may have sheep or cattle. Um, I don't know. Some of you may have sheep. Um, You know, we we get them. We purchase them. We put them in a field. The field's fenced in. We hope there's no holes in the fence. And uh, we hope that a coyote or some animal won't come and kill them or someone won't hop the fence and steal them. We give them some water. We give them a shed to get under. And maybe if there's not enough grass for them to feed on, we give them some food. And that's pretty much it. Well, in ancient Israel, the shepherds would take their sheep out to pasture. There were no fences. There there were no fields. I mean, there were fields that were owned by people, but they weren't, for the most part, fenced in. And you could graze your sheep um, all over and... Uh, There came a time when you needed to go to town. What do you do with your sheep? And in many towns, you could, the shepherd needed to go into town, so he would lead his sheep in the town, and there was what was called a community sheepfold. Um, Just imagine maybe like a big corral, and all the shepherds who brought their sheep into town, and, and maybe they had business to do, or were taking a little break from shepherding, they would put their sheep in this sheepfold with other people's sheep. And there was a man who was, his job was to watch the gate or to watch the door. And if you weren't a shepherd who had left his sheep in this sheepfold, you were not, not allowed to go in. The only way that you could get in was to be a shepherd. Or, if you weren't a shepherd... You could climb the wall or the fence and go in another way. And if the gatekeeper looks and turns around and and sees in the sheepfold someone who didn't belong there, someone who didn't come in through the gate, they would have to assume this is a thief, this is a robber, and action would be taken. And Jesus calls out the Pharisees and says, Those who enter by the sheepfold, by the door... Those are the true shepherds versus the false shepherds. And Jesus is making a contrast between what a true shepherd is and a false shepherd. So we're going to go over real quickly a few of these contrasts. Jesus is saying the true shepherd enters the sheepfold through the door or through the gate. The false shepherds cannot enter by the gate. They are not allowed in, so they must find another way. They climb the wall, and they attempt to either kill or steal the sheep. And in verse 3, Jesus says to him the gatekeeper opens, speaking of the true shepherd. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. I'm not sure about those who have cattle or livestock or or sheep. But during this time, many shepherds knew their sheep. They had to. These sheep were mixed in with other sheep. More than likely, they didn't have ear tags. They didn't have brands. They didn't have markings that they could put on the sheep. They knew their sheep. They were there when these sheep were born. They took care of these sheep. They loved these sheep. And they named these sheep, I'm not sure what names that you give a sheep. I know a Sean, the sheep. Um, could have called them Bob, could have called them Spot, I'm not sure. But they named each and every sheep. And when it came time to leave the town and go back out to the pasture, the shepherd would merely come to the door of the sheepfold and call his sheep by name. And the sheep, they would hear his voice, and they would respond to his voice, and they would come out of the sheepfold. So the true shepherd knows his sheep, and he's known them, as I said, since they were born. He spent time with them, he's raised them, he's loved on them, he's cared for them. Something I found in, in studying this, shepherds, sheepfolds, and, and reading commentaries. Um, as I said, the shepherd merely gave a distinctive call, and the sheep would raise their head and they would come. They would follow him out of the sheepfold. Although we may think of sheep as not very intelligent animals, I don't know if y'all have seen the video where the man pulls the sheep out of the ditch. It's a great picture of being a Christian. He pulls them out, pulls the sheep out of the ditch, and five seconds, the sheep jumps for joy and runs off and poof, right back in the ditch. Um, they may not be smart animals, but they could discern their shepherd's voice. They could hear his voice. they could tell it from another. And, uh, one story that I found online uh, I want to share with you is, is there was a, a Scottish traveler who changed clothes with a shepherd from Jerusalem. And tried to lead the sheep out of the sheepfold. But the sheep followed the shepherd's voice and not the clothes. Both men were calling to the sheep and the sheep knew who to follow. Not by sight but by hearing the voice of the shepherd. False shepherds, they don't know the sheep. The sheep don't know them. The sheep won't respond to them. They won't follow them. Because they don't love the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. They only seek to glorify and exalt themselves and to live for themselves. Their priority is not the sheep. The true shepherd, as I said, cares and loves for the sheep. The well-being of the flock is his priority. It's what he lives for. And as we will see, it's what he dies for. We also see that the true shepherd leads his sheep. Nowadays, we don't see this. Um, I did read and I I actually watched a a short documentary that if you go to Israel today, this is how shepherding is done. Um, They lead their sheep. They go before them. They make sure the path is safe. They guide the sheep and the sheep follow Nowadays, we may have dogs who herd the sheep. um, And we may have other ways to force them to go where we want them to go. Um, We may have to restrain the sheep, put a rope on them, tie a leash on them. We may have to constrain them um, in a pen or a corral. But this good shepherd leads his sheep. He goes before them. He, He plots the safest path. He looks for danger because he loves the sheep. The false shepherds, as I've said, they care not for the sheep. They may have to place heavy burdens upon their back to keep them from running away, from scattering out, to make them follow them. They may have to, as I said, constrain them or restrain them to make them go in the direction they want to go. They don't lead the sheep. They drive the sheep they push the sheep but not the true shepherd another story i found that was interesting is uh, during world war 1 some soldiers tried to steal a flock of sheep from a hillside near jerusalem the sleeping shepherd awoke to find his flock being driven off he woke up they were gone they he could see them being driven away he couldn't recapture them by force So he simply called out to them with his distinctive call. And the sheep listened. They returned to their rightful owner. And the soldiers couldn't do anything to stop the sheep from returning. This is a great picture of what Jesus is saying here. I know my sheep. I call them by name. They respond to me. They come out of the sheepfold. And this sheepfold that Jesus is talking about is the nation of Israel or we could say the adulterous apostate people of Israel i've heard some preachers say this is the world but as we're going to see later if it's the world then when jesus says there are other sheep not of this sheepfold what's he talking about is he going to mars to call out his sheep so we would have to make the assumption that this is not the world he's speaking to the leaders of israel the people of israel and This is the sheepfold he's referring to. So during this discourse, he's trying to tell the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, that they were not the true shepherds. They only lived for themselves and their glory and they were thieves. They robbed glory from God. They were not concerned for the sheep. And the true sheep would not follow them. But as we've seen all throughout the New Testament and even the Old Testament, they just couldn't figure it out. They didn't know what he was saying. And it's funny, they they always knew when Jesus was making this claim that they said was blasphemous or, or heresy like I am God. But when he was pointing at them and calling them out, what's he talking about? Can't be us. And if you look in verse 6 of chapter 10, it says, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now we know that they didn't understand because God caused that to happen. We, we, you look back in Isaiah, and, and Isaiah gets his commission, and God says, You're going to go and you're going to tell the people of Israel this, but they're not going to hear you. They're not going to listen. They're not going to understand because I have hardened their hearts. This was judgment upon them. So look at verse 7 through 10. The story changes a little bit. He's talking about true shepherds and false shepherds. And then he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door, Jesus says. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now, when we see this, all who came, came before me, this is speaking about the false shepherds, the corrupt kings, politicians, those who um, led Israel in a uh, sinful manner. He's not talking about those like Moses and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, who, by the way, were all shepherds, um, and i read something interesting in a commentary that um that said these shepherds like moses and abraham and jacob and and isaac and they didn't come before jesus but with him but he says i am the door again if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, who am the door, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So we've seen Jesus, he's changed the metaphor. He's not talking about the shepherd now, but he's saying, I'm the door that the sheep must enter through. And it's the only way that they can get in. There was one way in. Imagine a circle with one opening. There was one way in and one way out. And Jesus says, I am that way. You can't come in my sheepfold without going through me. These are, these I am the door. This is one of the seven I am statements in John. He says, I am the bread of life in John 6 and John 8. I am the light of the world. Also in John 8, before Abraham was I am John 10, as we just read, I am the door. And we will read briefly, I am the good shepherd. John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. And John 15, I am the true vine. Those who knew their scripture, those who knew God, when they heard Jesus say, I am, especially the religious leaders, they wanted to kill him. Because they knew what he was saying. He was saying what God said to Moses in the burning bush. God through God the Son actually said to Moses in the burning bush. When Moses said, who do I say sent me? And he says, I am. And Moses said, oh, okay, got it. Um, We don't see that, but I can imagine Moses says, what does that mean? And if you look into what I am means... uh, the youth will know this because we just went over this. We're we're going through Exodus. Um, God says, I am. If you come to me and say, who are you? I could say, I am like billions of people on this planet. I am like you. You're like me. But God can't say that. I am that I am. That's the only way to describe him. I am. Self-sufficient, self-sustaining, Depending, dependent on nothing and no one, I am like nothing and no one else. I am the only one, I am. And when Jesus said this, these are the very words that made them want to kill him. Blasphemy, they would have said heresy. We see this in John five eighteen. This was why the Jews... We're seeking all the more to kill Him because not only was He breaking the Sabbath, but He was even calling God His own Father and making Himself equal with God. By the way, He he can do that because He is. Jesus went from being the shepherd in the first metaphor, now He's the door. And as we also see, In verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So not only were, was there a sheepfold in town that you could put all your sheep in, when it was time to leave, you called them out, you went out to pasture, you let them graze during the day and at night, you put them in your sheepfold. And for the most part, these sheepfolds were, they were just made on the fly. They, they would gather up brush They would make a circle, there would be an opening, and the sheep would go in. They couldn't carry a door in their back pocket or a gate. So the shepherd would literally lay down in the door and protect the sheep at night. If something or someone wanted to come in and steal or kill the sheep, the shepherd would know. And he would protect them with his rod and his staff. There was only one way in, as I said, and one way out. As he said in verse 9, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out of pasture. This phrase, go in and out, refers to all actions of a man's life and the liberty he has of acting or not acting. It's what we would call freedom in Christ. We have this freedom to go in and go out. To be sent out into the world, but not be of the world. And then he speaks of abundant life. Those who enter through me will have abundant life. And this Greek word for abundance, it it has a mathematical meaning to it. And it. It generally means a surplus. The abundant life, Charles, or James Montgomery Boyce says, is above all the contented life in which our contentment is based upon the fact that God is equal to every emergency and is able to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. Charles Spurgeon describes it this way. Abundant life isn't an especially long life. It isn't an easy or comfortable life. Abundant life is a life of satisfaction and contentment in Jesus. What a wonderful thing to know that those who enter through the door, which is Christ, that we can have that life. So back to verse 11 real quick, and I know I'm getting close to time, but Jesus is not only the Door. He's not only the true shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. And this word good means superior to, supreme. And he's telling them that you are not the true shepherd. You are not a shepherd of all at all. But I am the shepherd and I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd who lives for and cares about his sheep. And as he says, lays down his life For the sheep. And I want you to notice there. That he doesn't say the good shepherd. Risk his life for the sheep. Most shepherds may do that. But for the most part. They're just sheep. They can be replaced. You know if you recall the parable. And and Jesus talks about the. The sheep and. the, The one that goes astray. And leaving the 99 to go find the one. Most shepherds wouldn't do that. It's just one sheep. I've got 99 over here I could lose when I go to look for the other one. But Jesus is the good shepherd. And he would do that. And he doesn't risk his life for the sheep. He gives it. He he lays it down. He sacrifices it for the sheep. When a beast... Come for the sheep, a wild beast. And in the Old Testament we see lions, not tigers and bears, but lions and bears. Um, wolves that come for the sheep. David talks about defending his flock from a lion and from a bear. Getting between this beast and the sheep. He did risk his life, but Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I give my life for the sheep. This speaks of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. I have sheep. I know them. I call them. They follow me. And I lay my life down for them. I give my life for them. No one forces me to do it. I don't risk my life. I give my life for the sheep. Isaiah 53, 7, we read, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before the shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. This good shepherd, as we know, was and still is Lord of all. He came willingly down from his heavenly throne. He became, not only did he lay his life down for the sheep, not only did he... And still does shepherd the sheep. This is what I just can't grasp in my puny mind. He became one of the sheep. And then he laid his life down for the sheep. He came down from heaven, he became a man. The shepherd, the good shepherd, the Lord, the king. The Alpha and Omega became a sheep. Real quick, I'm just going to go over this one section. He speaks of the hired hand in verse 12 and 13. And the the hired hand, if you wanted to go into town and you didn't want to take your sheep, you'd hire someone. But if wolves came, that hired hand would say, "I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not giving my life for these sheep. They're not even my sheep. And I'm probably not getting paid that much. I'm gone. But Jesus says, I'm not like the hired hen. I will defend my sheep. I will lay my life down for the sheep. And the sheep that need saving I will die for. And as we read, this is the same shepherd in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake Last thing we I cannot leave this part out because this is so very important Verse 14 I am the good shepherd I know my own and my own know me. We've already seen that. He's named them. He's loved them. He knows them. He knows them because he created them. They've been written in the Lamb's book of life, their names since before the foundation of the world. I know my own and my own know me. I call their names and they hear and they respond. Not all the sheep respond. Not all the sheep hear that voice. But the ones who do, they come. And something amazing that he says in verse 15. Just as the Father knows me. He says, I know my own and my own know me. In the same way, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. You have to, when you read that, think about what does that mean? How does the Father know the Son, and how does the Son know the Father? What kind of relationship do they have? And speaking about the Trinity and all eternity, how do they know each other? Well, just in short, they know each other in a loving way, in a deep, intimate, close relationship. And they know each other eternally. And just as the Father knows the Son, Jesus says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, and I've known them since the, before the foundation of the world, and I will know them for all eternity, and they will know me for all eternity. Just as the Father knows the Son, and the Son knows the Father, Jesus, the Good Shepherd, knows his sheep. So, how does he know them? He knows them because the Father gave them to him. John 6.37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. That's why he knows the sheep, because the Father has given the sheep To the Son. In a sense, we can imagine, he says, My Son, you have sheep. I give them to you. Go and gather them. Call their names. You know them. Draw them to you. We see this all throughout Scripture, and especially in John. In the high priestly prayer, he says, All that the Father gives me will... Sorry, wrong one. He says, When Jesus has spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said to the Father... Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given to me. That's his sheep. So I'm going to cut to the chase because it is after 12. And as I've shared with you before, a wise man told me, the Church will forgive a bad sermon, but may not forgive if you keep them from lunch. Um, what's this mean to us? Because that's, that's what it's all, I mean, it's all about the sun. it's all about God, but in application, we're wondering, what does this mean to me? And sometimes we're sitting there saying, get to the point of what it means to me. Well, for those who are believers, we have that assurance, we have that comfort that we have a good shepherd who leads us, who has gone before us. He's even gone before us to the point he's already there where he's leading us. And many other sheep are already there who have gone before us. And we can have comfort and we can have peace in, the, in that fact. And I just encourage you who are already believers, continue to follow that shepherd. Listen to his leading. We do go astray, but he calls us back. And no matter how far you've stepped off of that path, it's only one step to come back. But those who do not know the good shepherd. I ask you this. Do you hear him? Is he calling your name? And if you do hear him. Respond. He says. I know my own. I call them by name. They come out. They respond. Respond. Give your life to Him because He gave His life for you. He died on the cross for you, for your sins. And He calls to you to give your life to Him, to follow Him as the Good Shepherd. And on that cross, His righteousness was put on you and your sin was put on Him. There's really nothing to do. But hear His voice and respond to it. That's my prayer today. hear his voice come to him give your life to him he loves you he's died for you for he is the good shepherd let's pray heavenly father we praise you for what we've just read that we have a good shepherd lord that he knows his own and his own know him and that when you lord call your sheep, they come, they follow. And Lord, we know that the shepherd has gone before us. He has plotted the course, he has made the path. And although it may be narrow and the gate may be narrow, Lord, keep us on it. And when we stray, bring us back. Forgive us for that and help us to focus on that good shepherd. And Lord, call those today that are your sheep into your fold. Lord, call them that they may come forward and, and, and just share with us that, that I've heard his voice. I've given my life to him that, Lord, we may rejoice with you and all the hosts of heaven. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've just prayed, and, and I'll say this from up here because I don't have a mic on. If you've heard his voice, if you've came to him, sitting here this morning, right now, come forward. Let us know that we can rejoice with you, that we can welcome you into the flock, that we can welcome you into the sheepfold. And know that you will never be cast out. going out of control, a lot of people have lost their homes, um, I think in Eastland there was a uh, police officer, um, she lost her life um, because of these fires, I definitely pray for all of those who are coming to fight the fires, um, I do know in St. Saba, the Church of Christ, um, really it's not the church, but if y'all know Pharaoh Whitley, he's kind of spearheaded this and
1: came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples all of all